another episode of the Total Clarity Podcast. I'm Jesse Hyatt. And I'm Mike Varley. And this is our 34th week of our 52-week walking project around New York City. That's right. And we are in Queens once again for the first of what is three separate walks surrounding movies. Mm-hmm. So this walk is three different movies that all were filmed or took place in Queens, Coming to America, Men in Black, and Goodfellas. That's right. And we are around all sorts of different neighborhoods, uh, Flushing, Jackson Heights, Jamaica, all over. And I think those are three different types of movies. And uh, we'll get to discussing that in a second with one of our favorite guests, our favorite people, our accountant, Frank Lynn. Yeah, so we were really excited in the very beginning when we started planning our routes and we knew that a handful of them were going through Flushing, which is where Frank's accounting office is. We knew that we wanted to get him on the podcast. He's really fun to talk to. We go out to Flushing every year to do our taxes. It usually ends up being right around the Lunar New Year, which is fun. We've caught the Chinese New Year parade a couple of times out there. Frank gifted me a stuffed bowl, which you might see on the table during our talk in the video um, this year because it's the year of the bull or the year of the ox. And yeah, we had a really great time talking with Frank. It was a great conversation. And we talked both about the movies, the three movies that we were walking about this week. And we also talked a lot about accounting and taxes and what that all means, especially during this year and last year during COVID. So. You know, it's relevant. I'm sure people listening are doing their taxes right now. If you don't have an accountant and you need one, we got the guy for you. Jet Tax Services. Oh, yeah. We're going to brand this uh, video up left and right with his uh, logo once we can Absolutely. get it from him. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a, a great time talking with him. Uh, he's a great friend. And one last note, programming note for all of y'all. Um, we had two cameras set up for this interview, as we typically do. And for some reason, a little spooky to be honest, about eight minutes into our video, the main camera switched to time-lapse mode. No idea why that happened. Yeah. Nobody pushed anything. Honestly, I wished one of us had pushed something so that we know exactly what happens. But <laughs> as it stands, we don't have a main camera for most of the video. But we're going to look on the bright side for that one. And the way that I think of it as um, you have a bit of an over-the-shoulder accountant's view this episode because that's where the camera is. And you got to kind of see what it looks like from Frank's perspective every year when we go and visit him. Right, exactly. Yeah, so it's a, it's a specialty, this one. It's a special feature, yeah. really. It's a feature and a flaw. Yeah, aren't they all? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. But um, anyway, yeah. I hope you enjoy our conversation with Frank. Yeah. All right, Frank, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. We were excited to have you on from week one. I remember, yeah. I think last time, th or this time last year, we came in to do the taxes and we told you about our walking project and you were like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, do you need anything from me, guys? Are you going to be okay? Can I get you some snacks or something? You know, like, uh, and now we're 34 weeks into walking. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's a real thing. We're, we're here mm -hmm. at your, at your uh, office. 
where we come every year. It's one of our favorite things to do is come and see yeah. you pay taxes. Yeah, it's and awesome. it actually feels even like normally when we come out here, I feel like we're taking this trip out to Flushing, like we're getting on the train, it's going to be a couple hours, and we walked here today. And it took us longer than taking the train, of course, but it like feels closer in a way. Like I feel like all the neighborhoods have like gotten smaller or, or more condensed or something. And I feel like it's such a, I feel like we can, we could just show up here anytime now. And, and it's, it's much better. It's much better for walking now instead of taking the subway. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. good choice no, on that. I don't want to be yeah. on the train for two hours anymore. So it's, yeah. This is our first of many plugs for Jet Tax Service. Y'all should check it out. And one of my uh, one of my great <laughs> joys you. is being able to uh, tell everybody we have a great accountant and just push business your way. So I don't know if yeah, you keep I, a, I don't know if you keep a big leaderboard of how many referrals you get, but uh, we try and keep our, our, our top of the list up there. Yes. In fact, uh, I don't think I don't think our downstairs neighbor Amori watches, but if he does. He asked me, we came home at three o'clock in the morning last night, or not a couple of few days ago, it was my birthday. And we were like, we were out and had a nice time. And then he was coming outside to smoke a cigarette. And he was like, do you know an accountant? I was like, yes, <laughs> I so do. And then I, in the I know, I mean, the whole thing was strange. <laughs> and then I texted him immediately and he was like, wow, you're quick. And I'm like, oh, it's my college roommate. You gotta, you gotta go see him, so. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and you're a great accountant. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't everyone, hurt. Yes. Everyone we've ever recommended, I mean, we we think it's great. Everyone that we've ever recommended is like, thank you so much. Like, Frank is amazing. This is wonderful. So, yeah, yeah we're Appreciate really selling it. That. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. This is, this, is, this is not a sponsored ad. This is just <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> something we believe in strongly. Yeah, yes. But anyway, I would definitely want to get back to that because both of us uh, think the accounting thing is fascinating. That's why we come here and talk to you. We could just, you know, do it online, but we like coming to see you. Yes. But this particular episode is about movie locations yes. and Queens movie locations, which you are a Queens native. And uh, we got three, uh, three films on tap today, uh, Coming to America, Men in Black and Goodfellas. And, uh, you know, we've been walking all week visiting these locations and and thinking about these three films. And uh, we kind of came to the conclusion that they are three good examples of different types of movies as far as movie locations go, which is to say like you have Goodfellas, which is they have, there's like a thousand locations all over the city. Mm -hmm. And then- and, And all over Queens, like the whole borough of Queens, it's almost like, they're really living in it yeah, when they filmed that. For sure. And then there's uh, Men in Black, which is like a type of movie where there's like one iconic location, you know? Yes. And, uh, and then there's uh, Coming to America, which is the example of movie locations that are no longer there, you know, <laughs> where it's like they've been demolished. And that's a pretty common thing in New York City, too, because there's so much turnover constantly. Well, and also those movies are a little bit older, too. So I think that's why the, I was like, yeah, I did a little research into it as well. And yeah. uh, recollecting when I watched those movies and I was like, huh, was like these locations don't exist because I was like 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. And the coming to America also, I think, is kind of funny because one of the main plots of the movie is that Eddie Murphy is coming to America specifically to Queens to find his queen, bride yeah. and yeah. yeah to find his queen and the place that they arrive the first place they show up 
after the airport is not in Queens. It's actually in Williamsburg. And the whole point of the movie is like, he's in Queens. What better place than Queens? But it's funny because it's like, they could have just said, go to Brooklyn. And it would have been accurate. But for some reason, like in writing the story, they wanted it to be Queens. But then they didn't actually want to film it in Queens. You know, then they still wanted to film it in Brooklyn. Which (laughs) I, I wonder why. Like, I wish we could also find out from them why. But... Uh, it's just a funny example to me of like, they want it to sound like Queens, but they want it to look a specific way. And that specific way isn't actually Queens. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The, the location for his house is on Hooper street, I believe in Mm -hmm. Williamsburg off like the Hughes J. And I, I don't know. I mean, from my understanding of Williamsburg, then it was, I mean, but like kind of like a lot of New York City at the time, you know, there were, there were vacant buildings everywhere, you know? And so I guess that maybe they were able to get it cheap. Mm-hmm. Maybe the building is kind of like isolated from everything. So maybe that felt, you know, like a, a convenient thing for filming. I'm not right. really sure. But yeah, they probably could have found something similar in Queens, but for whatever reason, they picked Williamsburg instead. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's not too far away from Queens, No, really. it's really, like, almost on the border. It's close enough. I, yeah. And, hey, it's a great movie. It looks good. Like, the location scout did a good job. Yeah. I just think it's funny. Yeah. It's still 718. Yeah. Still 718. Yeah. Still 718. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go out of our way one day this week or just to uh, capture some video of it for this podcast just so people can see what it looks like. Yeah. But uh, that's just because, you know, we're industrious, hardworking people. <laughs> um, otherwise, the the other locations, like we said, are, there's only a couple that we visit on this particular route. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them is the... Uh, the location of the uh, McDonald's ripoff, McDowell's, uh, which, you know, as I said, does not exist anymore as a location. It was a Wendy's Mm -hmm. up until 2013. And then it became... uh, Condos. Yeah, it's just condos now. Yeah, it's just a a block of condos now, so... Yeah, Uh, they look nice. Uh, I mean, I'll give it to them, you know. And it's right near uh, a mall. I don't know if the mall was... um, uh, I don't think the mall was there. It was just yeah. kind of a strip. There was there was also some buildings uh, in the movie. There are some buildings across the street where the uh, Soul Glow billboards are. You know, that's the the hair product that Lisa's uh, boyfriend. He's like the the family empire is the uh, the Jerry Curl uh, product. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, yeah, those buildings are gone too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still like that that Queens Boulevard section kind of still retains some of i guess what i i think of as the essential queens boulevard which is just like busy busy roadway you know with lots of cars going back and forth and like the people are frogger and you just have to kind of yeah like, yeah right. you have to get around you have to get across the 18 lanes before you okay yeah yeah right, yeah it's pretty exactly. much like that yeah. <laughs> yeah and then in contrast to that there's the men in black where you go to flushing meadows park and see those towers and even I, I was saying before we were recording, I only saw Men in Black for the first time this week because um, I was always scared that it was really scary. I always thought it was like a really scary movie. But every time we'd go to Flushing Meadows Park, Mike would point out the towers and say, oh, it's from Men in Black. And I was always like, well, I thought it was from the World's Fair. But <laughs> <laughs> now that we've, but what's, in, 
do you spend much time in that park? And I'm curious what your relationship is to those. Actually, after <laughs> I had kids, I do spend more time in that park because it's just a good place to go. Actually, having after kids and COVID, I think I spend more time in that park because it's outdoors. It's close to our um, it's close to our home, and mm -hmm. plus we can there's parking. There's parking right there around the ice skating right. rink, and then we can just walk right into the like where the globe is and then where the dishes are and well it's not city it's not it's not shea stadium anymore it's city field right, right. So yes 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 mm -hmm. yeah. right yeah and when you see those those old towers yep. do you think world's fair or do you think men in black actually you... i think more men in black yeah because i wasn't around during the 1969 world <laughs> yeah 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 so we weren't around during that time so yes i think men in black too yeah yeah, I, uh, we had a nice walk around the park this week with uh, a fellow YouTuber called Action Kid. Uh, we were on his channel a few weeks back, and that was really great. And he has like 275,000 followers. So uh, it was nice because a bunch of them uh, showed up over on our channel. Yeah. And if you're watching uh, us today, <laughs> thanks for stopping by. Uh, we love hanging out with Action Kid. And we... Um, yeah, he's a really nice guy, and we got to walk around the park again with him and talk about the history of the World's Fair, and Mike did a whole bunch of research into all those different buildings. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll put a link to that video uh, so that people can see it if they haven't before, because uh, it was really fun. I mean, it, um, it, I knew that the World's Fair was there, obviously, uh, but I haven't really thought much about it, you know, and it... Just having to spend the time to do a little bit of research and think about it just made me realize that there's this amazing attraction or like relic of an attraction, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it, that exists in the middle of Queens. And uh, I, I feel like it, I said this in the other video, so I'm repeating myself, but uh, it feels like it would be in another city, like the attraction to go see this old fairground. Cause like, it's so aesthetically consistent and it's like kind of this like, you know, like the future and like, uh, you know, space exploration, you know, it, it was 1964. So like five years before we walked on the moon, mm -hmm. but only like less than 10 years of the space program existing, you know, so like it was like a, an age where people were super pumped about space exploration. And then every building that's there like feels spacey and there's a lot of sculptures that are about like exploring space and like being in the air and things like that and the unisphere you know and the yeah. uh just also it's like such a big space for new york city like it feels like a parade ground and there's just not a lot of areas in new york city that are like that you know mm -hmm. but i don't know if it like i don't even think for most people that are like thinking about new york city it wouldn't be in the top 10 15 or 20 like places to go if you're visiting new york city you know it's like Oh, Statue of Liberty, Empire State Building, Central Park, you know, like Madison Square Garden. You know, you're going to go to all these other places before you go to Flushing. But it's... Unless if it's during the U.S. Open. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. U.S. Open brings a lot of attention to that place. The, well, yeah, once a year. And it's good that there's at least something that, you know, is bringing all that attention to it. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah. Uh, I want to go back to coming to America okay. before we leave it for too much because there's also uh, a sequel coming out. I don't know if you, oh. yeah. 
uh, on uh, Amazon Prime. They're doing uh, Coming to America 2. What? So, yeah. 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 So there's probably uh, some people here that are maybe it's, tuning in because of uh, that. Maybe they w- the just watched it. The plot is like something like he comes back. It's he, reversed. Like, finds out that he has a kid in New York. What? So he like comes back. Leslie get... Jones is the baby's mama. And uh, <laughs> he comes back to have like the kid be the heir to his throne. <laughs> and uh, he's got a daughter back at home that's like, I don't think so. Like, I'm the heir, you know. And then the conflict is between, like, yeah. Eddie Murphy, kind of like in the, the first movie, which the first movie is really good. Like, uh, it, it kind of like the last 20, 30 minutes, like, it's the, they don't end so great. It's like, a, but, like, the first hour and a half is just, like, Eddie Murphy, like, at his top. Yeah. And uh, James Earl Jones is his dad, and he's, you know, stuck in his old ways. And so, like, now he is the guy that's stuck in his old ways. Oh, uh, but, yeah. yeah. I'm a father figure. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah so, I think it'll, I th- I'm hopeful for it. You know how I feel like sometimes sequels of older movies mm-hmm. that are really good can, like, it can go either way. You know, like, it really makes me a little nervous because I feel like sometimes even when it's a really good movie and there's really good people involved, like... It can sometimes get too much hype and then be really disappointing. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of hopeful for this because I don't think they've actually been hyping it up like all that much. And it's coming out soon. And Eddie Murphy is still just like fantastic. Yeah, he's very funny. Right? Like I think he's kept his his mm-hmm. game strong. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so so they basically like it's in the in the old movie you know the first 30 minutes there in his it's i know it's named after bob zamuda but i uh i forget the zamunda i think zamunda i, I think so sure the name of the, uh, yeah, and the then the, the rest country. of the movie is in new york city except at the very end and it looks like it's flipped like in this movie the first half hour is in new york city and then the okay. rest is in there um but yeah so i'm kind of i'm kind of excited yeah, about excited it to be honest i don't know if it'll be good or not but we'll see yeah. uh yeah, and uh, and then the, yeah, so there was one other location we visit on this walk uh, that's related to coming to America, and it's also it's in very much passing. Uh, Lisa is has just been, I believe, just been told by uh, Eddie Murphy's character uh, Prince Hakim, right? Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that he is a prince, and for some reason she doesn't like that. She's like it, it's for the for the purposes <laughs> of the plot. Like she felt feels like she's been betrayed. Something. Yeah. And then uh, she she runs away from him, uh, and then like she goes by a car wash. But the right. car wash, there's still a car wash, right? But it's like mm-hmm. totally different. You know, like they, it was yeah. it had graffiti on it and everything, and now it's just like a boring brown old you know car wash. So yeah. Um, but yeah, we went by and checked it out. It's also on Queens Boulevard, uh, just further down, and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how those, I mean, we talked a little bit about the men in black structure, but then even like those places have been just demolished and forgotten about. And I'm sure like so many movie locations have been demolished and forgotten about because it's been so long. Mm-hmm. But Goodfellas is the third movie on our list. And Goodfellas. <laughs> it's also been a long time, but there it seems like, Maybe it's just like more like in the awareness or something, but it seems like people are really holding on to keeping the Goodfellas locations around. I think there's a couple of reasons. I think one, they were 
already old locations to begin with mm. because it's it's not a period piece but like it was made in 89 i think somewhere around there mm -hmm. 89 90 and they were shooting a movie that was set from you know like 58 to 80. right so they had to have locations that already had a little bit of patina on them you know mm. and then uh also i think that uh many of these places uh, have capitalized on the goodfellas uh you know fame yeah. Whereas, like, there wasn't a McDowell's actually to, like, capitalize. So it was just a Wendy's. And, you know, who wants to go to Wendy's? You know, okay. It's right. just a Wendy's. And, like, the that one Wendy's franchise isn't going to change their name to, like, McDowell's Wendy's or something. Right. Whereas, like, the diner that is call, now called Goodfellas Diner in Maspeth is mm -hmm. now called Goodfellas Diner. I don't imagine it was called Goodfellas Diner before, before they shot the Goodfellas, film. right? Because right? right. <laughs> right. Goodfellas didn't exist. Yeah. Well, we should uh, we should say past tense on Goodfellas Diner, because now uh, that we're saying it's this, unclear. but it's all boarded up, and yeah. it definitely looks oh. closed. But it's unclear if it's like just closed for COVID or if it's oh, it had for rent signs on it. It did. Okay, it's probably. I mean, closed. I hope that somebody rents it and wants to turn it into it right, but right now yeah. it's not a great time for diners. So yeah, and uh, it's also I mean it's it's a truck stop diner, like which may seem strange to people that aren't super familiar with queens but there are some industrial areas of queens that are basically about trucks and nothing else and uh it's not super favorable to walking around of course we walk there too but uh, there yeah it's like there are multiple trucks just parked in the parking lot probably been there for a really long time there's constantly truck traffic going back and forth there there's a the road that it's connected to is called uh rush street not, I don't know if it's Rust Avenue or Rust Street, it's but street. I don't think you can get more industrial than Rust if your street name is, you know, so. But yeah, but that that location is where at the end of the movie, when uh, Henry, who's a Ray Liotta's character, uh, goes to meet Jimmy, who's um, Robert De Niro's yeah, character, right. and he he's... He's like, I got there 15 minutes early and he was already sure. there. Yep. Like, he, you know, like he was really anxious because he knew he had screwed up about the drugs. And he was he knew that Jimmy had been whacking people because he didn't want anything to get back to him. And Jimmy, uh, like he, he so he's like, I, I wanted to get a seat where I wanted to meet somewhere where it was busy, where nobody, you know, yep. uh, everybody I could see everything. And, and that was the scene. And uh, you can see in the if, if you go close to the door, you can see there's movie stills of like pretty much every line oh, really? of that scene that they have right by the entrance of that. Oh. So it's like it's like if there was any confusion as to why this is named Goodfellas, you know, it's right here, you know, um, but. I love that when places that have shown up in pop culture, like, just make it all about that. Where it's like, we aren't gonna, we aren't even gonna try to, like, do anything beyond this. You're, we know why you're here. We're going to serve you what you're here for. Right. It's for Goodfellas. It's because you've seen this scene. Yep. Here's the scene. Enjoy it. Sit at the table. We know you want to sit at the and table. Take pictures. <laughs> put it on Instagram. Yeah. Put it on. Yeah, put it on social. Yeah. Totally. And mm -hmm. they don't try to like be like, "What are you taking pictures?" You know, they're just like, "Come this on is in, what you... yep. do it. Go ahead." <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. yeah, so we we've eaten there before because it actually is pretty close to where my old apartment was. Is it at that booth? 
the booth that they. I don't think I don't think we I went into that booth. Did. I don't think so. I do. I do think I looked for it. I was like, mm. I was trying to orient myself, like which like, side. Was, is it you know? that? Yeah, is it yeah, that yeah. booth that they were discussing? <laughs> should have asked. Should have asked. But uh, yeah, and I don't know how long it's been closed. It may have been closed pre-COVID. It may not have been. Mm-hmm. It's kind of there is like some signs of some moderate disrepair. So it may have been pre-COVID, but yeah, I hope somebody buys it and uh, you know decides to. Uh, fix it up but it is uh it's in truck stop land so you're not really going to get a lot of casual traffic coming through you have to specifically go there just for that just to yeah i think so yeah or you have to make it a diner where like people have where it's like really good food or something also so people (laughs) have like more than just the good fellas fun thing to see Mm -hmm. so i'm looking at the list right now i'll just kind of go down the line the next one is, I think, the closest one to here overall, and that's the Jackson Hole Diner, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, a lot of diners in that movie. You know, it's either diners or bars where they're doing all the shots. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had never thought about that, but it really, it's funny because I don't think about New York as being a diner place so much. I mean, there are a number of diners here, but... It's not the thing that stands out to me, but I guess maybe it used to be more. Mm. I think about diners a lot for it. I don't you know why. You love diners. I do like diners. <laughs> what do you, do you like diners or no? Yeah, I like diners. Yeah. Although when I think of diners, yes, I don't think of down, like like downstate New York. I think more like upstate or mm-hmm. out. Because upstate New York, like Geneseo, yeah, then, you know, diners are it thing. Yeah. Right. It's like Friday night, we're all going to IHOP or something. Like, yeah, yeah. But, but yes, downstate New York, I wouldn't think about diners as much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although they're here. I mean, they are here. But, it, yeah, it's like not the thing that I think of. Yeah. I, I think of them. I mean, I grew up on Long Island, so there's a lot of diners out there. And then I think in the, I don't know. I, there, there are less in Manhattan, I think. Right. The but... ones in Manhattan are also like really like it feels like they're trying too hard, like the TikTok <laughs> diner uh-huh. and like. There is a yeah. whole class of diners that are. I think we had. You can probably look back on our channel and find. I think we did we a have rant on about diners. diners at some point. Maybe we can here. we can add a we can yeah. add a tag to that. Uh, but a lot of the diners in Manhattan are like $26 burger diners, you know? Yeah. And it's like, what's the point? Why am I, why am yep. I here? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the Jackson Hole Diner is the diner where uh, uh, Henry, and now I'm forgetting uh, Joe Pesci's character's name. Tommy. Tommy? Yeah. I'm glad you remembered. Uh, they are staking out a truck driver that's coming from LaGuardia. Oh, yeah. And he come, goes in to get his food, and while the guy's in there to get his food, they sneak in the truck and take it away. And then he's all freaked out that he got his truck taken. Right. I think it might be in like one more scene. I'm not sure. But I did like that they were they were talking about how they stole trucks from the Guardia. And then they actually used a, a diner that was right near the Guardia. You know, because it's not always the case that, you know, yeah. you put those two yep. things together. So I was mm-hmm. I was pleased that that happened. Yeah. Agreed. It's yeah. nice that there's also an airplane on the yeah. the diner sign over there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great aesthetic. That diner has like this really powerful, uh, I guess it's 50s. I mean, they also have 50s music playing, mm-hmm. like just passively outside. So that's where my head goes. But it's like 50s, 60s yeah. vibe. 
Yeah. And uh, I've eaten there before, but it's been a long time, so I don't remember if the food's good or not. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've ever eaten there. Yeah. And so going around the the horn here, uh, we there's a there's so there's a couple of places. Um, one on a street called Babbage Street, mm. and uh, that's under some elevated tracks, and that's where. Once uh, Jimmy is starting to get really anxious about the Lufthansa heist and like people finding out about it, mm-hmm. he uh, he has this guy that like right after the heist, this guy buys a pink Cadillac for his wife. Yeah, and then he and gets super... he gets really angry about yep. it. And then uh, later in the movie, they find him and the wife under the elevated tracks, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that was the Babbage Street location. Uh and uh, it that's an intense scene yeah the little kid finds them yeah Yeah. and it's um what are they playing they're playing i think it's layla i think it's the end of layla uh by uh i guess it's cream or eric clapton i'm not sure which but uh the and then they're just showing like the montage of all the people that are dead the whole soundtrack in that movie i had forgotten how good it is yeah. But it really, like, yeah, they want you to be in that, like, 50s to 80s. And I mm-hmm. feel like the music really helps put you there. Yeah. It, like, you forget that you're in it. And then they play, like, the Shirelles or whoever. You know, yeah. I'm, maybe yeah. I'm saying the wrong name. But, like, they play some girl band from, like, the 60s. And you're yeah. like, oh, now we're in the 60s. And then they play, like, some rock from, you know. It's good. Right. I, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I mean, Scorsese, like, I feel like that is such an intimate part of his films. And also uh, a really meaningful part of the movies he, like, the types of movies he makes. Like, he's done so many documentaries on, like, the Rolling Stones or Dylan and things mm-hmm. like that. It's just, he's so keyed in on music. So, I don't know. He must probably also work with somebody that helps him, like, figure out what tracks go where. But it... Yeah, in a very meaningful way, music is like informs a lot of the scenes that he puts together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the score for Scorsese. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Never that's thought right. of that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and and so only a block away from that location is a, a place that's also closed, but it still retains the bones of what was there, kind of like the uh, Goodfellas Diner. And that was called the Tropicana. And the Tropicana was where, uh, I think Karen is his wife's name, I think. I could be wrong. Yes. I, yeah, she's uh, Jewish. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, that's where they have their really bad first date, where he doesn't care. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so it's right next to a theater as well. And uh, it it just the whole the whole block the uh, the elevated tracks the Tropicana the theater it all feels like if it had just like it makes sense that in 1990 or 89 or when the movie was made like it felt it already felt like a complete set piece you know so I thought that was really great location scouting for them and and now it's it still has the awning and everything that could it could become something at some point but right now it's it's nothing and they had these really amazing doors on there that like the carve look like flamingos or something. Mm. It was pretty cool. I wonder how much of like these places also kind of like the Goodfellas Diner, like how much they did a lot of that after the movie, like to keep it 
the, yeah. with that vibe and like to keep people excited about it or like even just having I can imagine just like having these really really famous people in your establishment would give you like the energy to like oh I'm gonna make it now like I'm gonna put mm -hmm. a lot of energy into my place yep or like was it chosen because people are already uh that's a I'm like how, or so yeah, whether you're riding the wave or you're creating the wave. Yeah, yeah, right, totally. exactly. Yeah, totally. yeah, I wonder. That was just that would be an interesting thing to like pay more attention to. Like if if you could follow a location scout around for some of these big movies that are being made now, and like document what the places look like before and like what happens to yeah. them afterwards. Well, I think it. I mean, it probably just depends on the demeanor of the owner. You know. Some people are, like you said, they're anxious to make it about that experience and, and lean into it and embrace it. And other people, not so much, you know, yeah. but, uh, and then other, still other people, you know, they, uh, they already know that the thing that appealed to the movie maker was that it was crusty and like kind of counterintuitive and like, so they're just going to continue to be who they were, you know? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Right, and then either be like hoping that another movie maker is gonna come around and like want another crusty scene, or right, just like, right. or just like whatever. I had my one shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so the last uh, location that we visit from Goodfellas, and that's just on our walk. I mean, there's it's certainly not the last location in Goodfellas. There's like thirty. Oh, there's so many, and there's a bunch of different articles. Like we actually got in touch with someone whose name I'm blanking on right now, but. Um, maybe I'll put the article in the in the notes. Uh, there's so many different people that are that go around and like find every single location that's ever been used in, especially these movies like Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah. People get there's like super fans out there. So this last location's in Woodhaven, and it's called Nears Tavern, which I had never been to, mm -hmm. and it's like it's it's off Jamaica Avenue, like three blocks into residential spots so you might not even know that it was there but they the one of the the great things about this location was that they have you know those new york historical signs they're like uh orange and blue and they're made out of metal and they're like it's like you know george washington slept here on this date or something you know like mm -hmm. uh, you know what i'm referring mm -hmm. to they had one of their own made oh. <laughs> for the location and like it, it was it, i only like like it was a pretty good replica but you uh one like the the outside the framing of it was done in metalwork mm -hmm. but it like looked a little weird and then on the corners it said like nearest tavern and then like where all the text was that described it it was like a, a nice um like um I don't know, plastic, like not, not, not a oak tag or like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like a kind of like a weather resistant plasticky like board okay. and not like, not the metal uh, sign that these signs actually oh, are. Okay. Like it was, it was passable enough that it looked like, like it was really important. And, uh, and it just described the history of this bar and it, it actually, I mean, according to the sign, which I'll, I'll choose to believe, it was one of the oldest bars in New York City. It's from oh. like 1820. Wow. And it mentions that Goodfellas was filmed there and that there are some other movies that were filmed there as well. And it, you know, mentions it's like 
it mentions it's good food, which, you know, like a New York historical sign wouldn't typically do. And uh, it has like, it's, yeah, that's true. It has this nice like oak bar inside. And uh, that was where they planned the Lufthansa heist in the movie. Right. So, yeah, that and there was like this great um, uh, like outdoor eating area, too. It looked like they were doing fine. Like they on the on the scale of like making it or not making it in COVID era, they they seem to be doing okay. Oh, okay. So I'm excited whenever like this is all over to go back and like actually go inside. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's like a whole new another level of like doing these walks of like sort of the fan the fan walks right that we're not really experiencing right now because of covid yeah where we're just like seeing everything from the outside but some of them yeah have like really great interior shots which would be fun to yeah. experience yeah see how much of that is retained from the time they shot in there for that movie too totally right. yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's crazy to think that any of it even would be like it's been 30 plus years yeah mm -hmm. have you seen casino as well by any chance no I no yeah. you should watch casino if you get a chance too because okay. i was going to ask you i have this kind of theory uh because casino and goodfellas are essentially the same movie it's it basically goodfellas in las vegas oh. where robert de niro and joe pesci are the two main characters <laughs> robert de niro is the narrator most of the time but then joe pesci is sometimes the narrator and it's about the how Las Vegas became what it was, right? Mm -hmm. And I saw that one first, even though it's the second movie, mm -hmm. and I like that one more. And my theory is that whichever one you see first is the one you like more, because oh. it's so close to the same movie. Wow. Huh. I really like Casino. Yeah. But I don't remember which one I saw first. I think, well, we went through a thing a year and a half, two years ago, where we i had never seen any of these movies like casino goodfellas the godfather one two three like uh the the, the one from the 80s i had never seen any of these gangster, movies. Like the, the, the gangster monster yeah. okay <laughs> yeah. any of the during, movies during that time it was big yeah it was a big thing yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. but um yeah so we had like scarface. a oh, scarface yeah, yeah. that's what i meant yeah that's the one i was thinking of um yeah we watched like all of them every single night in a row for like two weeks or something we watched a different movie of like that genre yeah um but so i don't remember which one we put on first whether it was casinos or goodfellas for me yeah, yeah. well also the ones in casino uh the costumes are a lot brighter too which i think maybe appealed yeah. to you i think that's well. exactly what i liked about it it was like 70s right and I it think was... it's 50s through 70s. Okay. It covered, yeah. It's just like so over the top. There's also a woman that's a main character that's Sharon like... Stone. Yeah, and she her costumes are amazing. Like in Goodfellas, the women aren't really like mm -mm. wearing anything good. They're like supposed to be kind of dowdy, yeah. right? And, and then, then the one woman that gets a fur coat, then Robert right. oh, yeah, really he upset won't let her. Yeah. And then he was like, get this out of here. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Right, yeah, at least they got the fur coat into the movie. Like, yeah, he got the fur coat in the movie, and then she was really happy about it. He took it off. Like and, immediately, yeah. yeah, they're not allowed to have any of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, in, this, in Casino, it's like all about that, like the everybody's like so dressed so nice yeah yeah that's something i'm really into yeah so i want to uh i want to go back to men we've talked about coming to america enough we talked about goodfellas enough i think and this is there is there anything else you want to cover no, no i want to so. uh 
I want to talk about Men in Black just a little bit more because we, I mean, we talked about Flushing Park mm -hmm. and how, how great that World's Fair thing is. And also just the idea of the, you know, like the iconic scene in Men in Black, which I feel like sells the whole movie, you know, the, the, the observation towers being UFOs and the Unisphere right there. Uh, I feel like the, all three of these films are like really great films in their own way. And I think the art direction in Men in Black is like amazing, like, mm. like so strong that now we're almost 25 years away from that film being made, if you can believe it. And it just feels so consistent and relevant. And like, you know, the, the CGI is separate from the art direction, but like the CGI still holds up. CGI was good. And then like, like all of their guns, right? They're these like silver futuristic. Mm -hmm. And those are, that's, that's like the World's Fair aesthetic. Mm -hmm. You know, like whoever put that together, like it was like genius where it's like, yeah, like we're going to give them these silver guns and put them in the age of tomorrow section of New York City. And it's going to feel like this one coherent thing, you know, and they're all going to be wearing these black suits that look that like the, mad men. You know, it's it's I think yeah. that makes the gun stand out more. Yeah, totally. Because it's kind of like the whole yeah, everything's black. So you you focus on the gun. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But even like having Will Smith like transition from like also like his outfits that he's wearing in the beginning when he's like part of NYPD which mm. is also like not what NYPD no. wears like he like <laughs> no he does not like there's no way that like a police officer would ever be able they were to his wear fresh prince outfits yeah, yeah. yeah it was big willy style just yeah, like, like you know, orange and right yeah. <laughs> right like bright. yeah but i kind of also love that that it like it told you like who he like it gave you a whole story yeah. about who he was like before he even told you who he was like in the in the acting or in the script yeah and then they were able to put him in that like nondescript outfit which made like the guns stand out and made mm -hmm. everything else stand out but you already like you knew who he was like you know if he had just shown up in that outfit i feel like it would have lost so much well i was waiting jesse it's, you know, she said she hadn't seen the movie before. And I was waiting for the line where he goes, you know, the difference between me and you is I make this look good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and she left. I, was, I mean, it's like that. that's the whole movie, you know, in some ways. It's just like this is the vehicle for Will Smith who has this, like, amazing star power. and yeah. like, But also, like, he's uh, so capable of being humiliated, too. You know, which like Tom Cruise is not going to deliver an alien baby and be thrown around by the, ba the the mom, you know, like it's just not within his toolkit. But Will Smith can, you know, go chase down an alien with a gun, you know, as well as Tom Cruise can, you know. And with the little tiny. That little yeah, yeah, tiny yeah, guy yeah. with the kickback yeah, yeah, yeah. is yeah, so the, funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's that. I think that's another thing about that movie that's really impressive, too, is the uh you know it there's so many things that are like suspension of disbelief and like he didn't train like nobody showed him how to use that gun or like you know tommy lee jones wants to get his mind erased it's been like dude it's been two days you want to yeah. wait maybe like a month until you leave and leave this guy in charge but like because the movie is so strong 
you don't care about that sort of stuff. And like that, not all movies can do that. You know, some movies need more logic. And then if like they deviate from the idea of like logic at all, it like the, it falls apart. Right. But for this, like it's just pure popcorn movie. And you don't care that like none of this logically makes sense. You know, you're just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, that can be hard to make for a movie, you know, hard to hard to get to that place. Yeah. I mean, I do think like there's part of it that you're like, when he said like erase my memory, I'm like, oh no. But I was more upset because I, they had become such good friends. And I was like <laughs> sad that they weren't going to get to be friends anymore. Right. More than I was, like, concerned. I was like, Will Smith, like, he'll be fine. Like, he's got this. Yeah. But I, like, wanted him to keep his friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think the movie does a good job setting that expectation from the beginning. So you don't have this crazy transition from, like, a very logical, like, beginning to, like, this crazy, like, out of world. Like, I think they, they, they do have that in the beginning, set that expectation. I think Will Smith is, embodies that because he's, like... He's he's out there already, like you're saying. Like yeah. a cop doesn't look like that. Yeah. So like the fact that he's walking around, and he's doing this stuff like a cop. I was like, I think you you already know. You're like, okay, some wacky stuff's gonna go down here because right. you know the cop looks like this. Exactly. Like, yeah. it's, it's not gonna be some straight narrow you know yeah. person that's doing it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he yeah because he like fits outside the mold. You also allow like, well, they didn't have to train him on that gun because he's Will Smith. He's got it. Like, he's, he's fine. Gonna, he's gonna right. figure it out. Right. Right. <laughs> Do you remember growing up in New York City? I mean, that we're we're the same age. If we're not, yep, really, yep, you know, yeah, we are. Um, the like it was thirteen when that movie came out. You know, 97, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember? And like, you know, you're blocks away from the climactic scene of that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember being excited, or do you were you kind of like because you grew up in New York City? It was like, oh yeah, another movie filmed in New York. Or like, do you remember like? having any thoughts about like how that made you feel actually i i think after that movie i walked by that area and i was like was this really a ufo <laughs> like totally. like was this a, because i didn't really know about the world fair like i said in the beginning i was like i i, I we weren't around for that yeah so like i actually thought that that was more famous for men in black and not the yeah, world fair yeah and then i was like looking at it and i was like and this fly off the hinges? Like, <laughs> did it fly off? And it come, yeah. yeah. But also, I think at that time, too, I wasn't, I didn't understand a lot of the filmmaking industry and CGI and all that. Yeah. So I was kind of like, whoa, like they really could lift that off and like it could come and they could come back. And right. But once I learned it, I was like, okay, no, no, that was all CGI. They're not right. blowing that up and they're not like bringing that back or anything. They didn't yeah. like put the unisphere yeah. back together after yeah. exploding yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Did you think after watching it at all, were you also thinking like, maybe there are a lot of aliens in Manhattan? Like, did you have that thought at all? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I was around the, it was around where I was, what, more high school. So yeah, I, did, I was like, okay, fine. It's probably not going to be aliens around. But the <laughs> fact that they made it a plausible story it's like sometimes I look at people, I'm like, hmm, like this person might right. be an alien. But right. like, I think it crosses my mind. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. but realistically, right, it's, it's kind of like the whole Santa Claus thing. I was like, around that age, I was like, all right, Santa Claus is not buying my presence. It's, it's, it's mom and dad. And, you know, it's, it's Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> <laughs> he comes every year, then flashes us, and there's presents. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Well, uh, I think that maybe covers it for the movies. Well, I have one. Oh, I'm just sorry. Like, what? And maybe this is too general of a question. But since we're talking about movies, I mean, I think part of 
why we wanted to have you on is because you're in Queens, you're our friend, you're our accountant, and you're kind of related to movie through acting. That's right. You're an actor. And I wonder, and again, this might be too general of a question or too hard to answer, but I'm just curious, is there any movie that you grew up with that was maybe filmed in New York or maybe not that like got you excited about acting? Like, was there anything that when you first got into acting, since that's part of your history, is there anything that stands out that like got you excited about it or like a movie that you remember feeling like, oh, I want to do something like that one day or like. I would say for movies, that's a good, wow, that's a great way to tie it all together. But uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, accounting and acting. Okay, but I was going to say, like, I felt like when I was focused more on acting, it was characters more so than the locations. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, I viewed certain characters and I was like, ooh, that's really cool. Like, you know, I, I saw a lot of the Jackie Chan stuff um, when I was younger just because he was, he was funny, he was Asian. I was like, all right, I could relate to this. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm not so good at martial arts, but like, <laughs> it's like, I think being funny and being like, I think that was a, that was a big thing for me. Yeah. I watched a lot of those kind of movies. Yeah. Um, and to a lesser extent, probably Jet Li, but I think Jet Li mm. was more so like debonair. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't yeah. so much like, cause I think Jackie Chan was more well, Jackie Chan's one. Rumble in the Bronx, right? Rumble in the Bronx, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, so, I mean, that's great. Like, I mean, Jackie Chan is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Does his own stunts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like it's yeah, it was more so character based instead of. Although there was there is a lot of scenes that are in New York. I think when I was watching the movies younger, I didn't realize it because I really stuck to Jackson Heights. I was like, I actually grew up mm. in Jackson Heights, and then yeah. I moved out here in Flushing. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. So later you realized, like, oh, that movie I liked is actually like, from my hometown. Yeah. Like Spider Man and like all that. I was like, hey, that street looks familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That must that must be kind of a cool experience too to like occasionally be like, like, because so much happens in New York. But as a kid, yeah, I can understand you were like more insulated, of course, because kids are. But then like as you realize, like, oh, hey, like my city's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a lot. I was like, yeah, a lot of these scenes do happen around. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, so I want to move to accounting, and I promise y'all should stick around because this, this is actually. I mean, I don't want to get you anxious. It's February. You got a little more time. Don't worry. There's still two months and a week or so, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And... <laughs> but extend it again this year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Possible. But uh, there. I mean, we come every year to visit Frank and uh, part of the, I mean, we're his friends, but also we enjoy talking about this sort of stuff because it's really interesting, particularly when you have a good accountant, because they're able to tell you like the latest of what's going on. And this past two years now, like, it's just important to talk about because this is like, this is not going to happen in our lifetimes again, hopefully, you know, like something like this, you know, is it's crazy like the government is facing this amazing crazy catastrophe and then they're still trying to collect all the money that they normally collect Mm -hmm. and there are all sorts of things that people are applying for and you know how much of it's going to slip through the cracks how many are you know how many people are like oh maybe i can get by without doing this and you know or how many other people are like i gotta i got so many documents i gotta fill out in order to be compliant you know like it's it's wild Mm -hmm. I mean, what, um, tell us like, 
boy, I don't even know where to begin. Like, uh, so it, we're almost a year out from when it started, right? So, like, what was you were in, you know, March, middle of March last year would be when it's like peaking, busy season for you. Like, what what happened those first few weeks? I mean, was it still like full speed, or did everybody just kind of like stop contacting you? And it's like every person for themselves. Like, how did those first few weeks between tax day 2020 and when the pandemic like go for you so that was a very strange time because it was going full throttle like everything was going kind of normal and then once that hit it wasn't that people stopped contacting me but people just like had this break like they just all of a sudden slow down and they're Mm -hmm. like oh we don't know what's gonna happen or like some of them you know i did fear the worst like some of them actually did get covid and yeah. like they just went MIA for like three or four months and all of a sudden they email me back in like July or August and they're oh like, oh gosh. yeah, I'm, I'm good enough to like do this again. And I was like, Oof. let's go. Because at first I was kind of like, oh, where did these people go? Like how come they didn't give me this stuff yet? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, oh, they, they, oh. So like I didn't want to push. Right. So that's yeah. why I kind of let everyone go on their own speed. But it was very strange for me yeah. because it was in the middle of March and um, the kids school, like my kids school closed and I was like at home. And I wasn't working yeah. in the middle of March, and I was like, I don't, I don't know, like, I don't know what to do with myself. Like, I was like, I, I usually, I'm really busy there, and so it's strange yeah. that like I was, I was at home playing with my kids, and we we're all like, we don't, we don't know like what to do, but the yeah. kid can't go to school, so someone's got to be at home watching the kids. Right. Right. Um, I mean, that- were you able to compartmentalize that at all? And in, insofar as like, I'm. I can enjoy this time. I mean, like, obviously, there's, like, the whole COVID anxiety, like, period that everybody's experiencing. But then it's, like, did it feel like a break from what you were doing at all? Or was it all just, like, my life is on hold right now. I don't know what to do. That's the one thing I wish. And I'm I'm glad that me and my wife did talk about this. Like, that's the one thing I wish I would have went back to not let the anxiety be so overwhelmed that we kind of overlooked the fact that we had so much more time together as a family right like with my wife with my children with my mother-in-law like that was something that never happened during tax season for me ever right like, i've been doing this for 15 years i never like i never had that kind of time right but right. i think because we were so occupied with the fact that we don't know what's coming next like there was frustration obviously we were all nervous i think you know we got into some shouting matches with what's going on because they're like i'm not getting my work done i'm not getting my work done i have to do what yeah totally so that's that's kind of what was going on the first couple yeah Yeah. i think it's hard just in general to like when there are so many unknowns like it's easy it would have been easier if we had like we thought oh maybe it'll be a two-week shutdown and if we had known it'll be a two-week shutdown we could all just go home and take a nap for two weeks, you know, and get up and go back to work. And But it was like, we'll try two weeks, but it might be a month. And then we get to a month and it might be two months and it might be three months. And like, yeah. you know, now we're like, oh, this is kind of just how we're living until we're not living like this. But I think like, yeah, it made it really hard for everyone to like enjoy the time. Yeah. Um, I also remember talking to you on the phone a couple of times because I made you some masks. And we were going back and forth on, uh, you were helping me like find some- Toilet paper. Pa- toilet paper, <laughs> but also tax stuff. You were oh, okay. also helping yeah. me with my taxes. <laughs> and you were also like suggesting some things like in case my business shut down or mm-hmm. if anything like that happened. And I remember you mentioning that like, 
people were doing like all this extra accounting stuff that like they never would have done because like people weren't going into work so they had like plenty of time so they'd like call you and be like so like can you get back to me in an hour like I want to do this extra thing that like normally (laughs) so it sounded like you had like a lot on your plate too besides just like normal tax season (laughs) right so like it didn't really I think that's what a lot of people were like oh like they shut everything down I was like I didn't feel like I had a break at all because during all the uncertainty then that's what all this like loan stuff grant stuff started happening and everyone's like i need this for my grant i need this for my loan how do i apply for this how do i so then like that flood of like things came in maybe like a week or two after the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. because that's when like everyone was like oh shoot like i gotta shut down my business i don't got any money how am i gonna like retain my employee so so right then they had like all these grants and loans which was great Yeah. yeah but i think that in the middle of tax season which is kind of what's happening right now again but that in the middle of last year's tax season was like wild for me yeah how did well i guess this is a two-part question how did the government respond in terms of like being patient or being giving forgiveness or whatever with that timeline and did it too is did it differ from federal and state like i don't i guess i don't really know how much you interact with the government in that way i know you submit the taxes but like that's kind of an impersonal process i guess but do they do they contact the accountants in any way to like let them know what's going on so there is a group that i'm a part of which is the aicpa i'm i'm always happy to plug for them they're like the top-notch accountants in across the world across the u.s so Mm -hmm. i'm in a group with i volunteer for them and then we do have a lot of contact with government reps in terms of what's going on yeah and during that time i think they didn't know what was so so they couldn't really pass the information because they didn't know they extended i think they extended the deadline maybe one week or 10 days before so we knew on like april 2nd yeah like it was extended to july oh, wow and that's how late it was because wow. they didn't know whether they wanted to extend it or not because they didn't know the severity of this uh, pandemic wow and then when as it got that close to the deadline then they extended it. but it, it became a mess because the state governments didn't conform to the federal so like you had the federal government coming out April 2nd saying it's extended to July. But all 50 state governments didn't uh, agree to that on April 2nd. Oh. Like some of them agreed on April 5th, some of them agreed on April 14th, some oh of them agreed. On, so like I had this like I was literally speaking to clients where my information was wrong right after I got off the phone. And I'm wow. like Oh my god. I was like what the like I just got on this phone call for half an hour and then they changed the information saying like New York conforms now. New York is extended. And I'm like I just I just, uh. so then I started getting on phone calls with clients and I'm like as of my like speaking to you as 4:45 on this day the information is accurate. Right. But yeah. like Five o'clock, it could it could change. Oh yeah. my gosh! That's do you, do you think that was a consequence of the administration that was in at the federal level? Like, if we had had a, an administration that was taking a more proactive approach in leadership rather than kind of letting the states figure it out, like, do you think that was a consequence of the states having to figure it out themselves, or do you think that it would have been like that? You know in any instance where they were trying to delay? 
I felt like partially it was definitely the administration. Okay. Um, that there was some uncertainty and there was confusion going on. Yeah, yeah. But even indirectly, I, I, I mean, I don't want to get too political. In this no, no, and I'm not trying just, to either. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It's just that I, I felt like just the beginning of that, there could have been a little bit more clarity in terms right. of like how things were going to be handled instead of like trying to figure out everything on the fly. Yeah. Right. Which made us figure out everything on the fly. Yeah. Right. And I would think, did you have anyone, and, and don't answer this if you can't, but like, was there any instance where you were like filing extensions for people and then finding out that there was an extension? Like if it came all the way up to the end, I can imagine like some people maybe being like, oh, well, I'm not going to be ready for April 15th. And then you're like, because you can usually just file an extension, right? So you're like we're doing that work, but then it turns out that isn't work you even needed to do. So you're like kind of wasting your time or... Yeah, at that point, I was playing it very safe, especially for the people that, you know, I mean, God forbid, whatever happened to like some of them actually did contract COVID. Some of them had family members. So I just started filing extensions just for people just to be safe because they hadn't contacted me or because uncertainty of the extension. Right. So oh, like, yeah. okay. So I've been, yeah. I was doing it both. I was like, I was yeah. like, I'm just gonna cover all my bases here. I'm just gonna start filing extensions and like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that responsible accountant. You're so responsible to your clients that you're you have, <laughs> I was, like I was trying to be. looking out for everyone. <laughs> Jet tax service, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of all of the programs that are have developed as a consequence of this. Uh, and most of them will go away because it, it won't be required. Are there any that like you've seen that you're like, hmm, I wish that this could like stick around. Like I wish that there was something, you know, as far as like a tax break or just some sort of incentive or something that like, this makes sense. I wish it would be a thing. Or is it all just like, it just all feels like tragedy emergency like stuff? No, I think the industry ones, it's a little bit more peer-to-peer, the industry one, even though this is not like a government-sponsored one or whatnot, but the peer, the peer-to-peer ones, I thought was some great things that came out of it. Like, I, I support one for actors, I support one for restaurants, like, those two are big things for me. Mm-hmm. So, and those are great, I thought those are great resources because it doesn't rely on, you know, whether the government is giving funding to that, it just, it's like peer-to-peer, so it's like the people that can give, you give, and the people that need it, you can take it. So I think those, you got access to the money a lot faster, less strings attached, and then it's directly related to your industry. So it's like, hey, I've been mostly affected because I'm, I'm in entertainment, I'm an actor, whatnot. You can get access to this because it's earmarked for actors. Mm. Gotcha. Um, the government ones, I thought was, it's a little bit more confusing, even though, yes, it's available. And I think that's going to really just be during this pandemic. Um, the PPP, the pay- Payroll Protection Program, PPP, and then the EIDL, um, mm-hmm. those uh, the, the government ones are the big ones mm-hmm. um, that got funding. But it was, I mean, <laughs> the pandemic started in March. I mean, some people weren't getting in this until like July. Right. So right. I, I just, I, I mean, that I didn't understand how you could survive that long in a business if you're not getting this funding right. for so long. And then even like this, the stimulus checks or something like, do you, does that interact with like accounting at all like do you do you have any thoughts on like how they should be doing stimulus checks or is that just kind of like it's happening you have to pay attention to it you have to mark it down and it's like my my biggest the first thing that i think about for those because it's so few and so far in between I, I felt like it was more of a formality mm. than actually help. Because I don't understand how you're... I mean, we live in New York City. It's such a high-priced 
like place uh high cost of living yeah and you're getting 1200 and then you're waiting 10 months to get another 600 so you have 1800 dollars right for 10 months of living i mean yeah that's not even our rent yeah like, for one month right yeah, for exactly, one month. That's yeah what I mean, so yeah. it's yeah. I, I think it's hard that i'm like i don't understand the point of this if you're gonna give us 1200 and then wait 10 months to give us another 600 uh, so you have $1,800 for 10 months. Right. Um, it, yeah, it seems a little bit more like a formality and, and instead yeah, of totally. actually a stimulus. Yeah, right. I mean, it definitely, it feels political. Not really a formality. It's just like, I, I think they're calculating how much money they can give the common people in order to make them feel like they're getting something. Even though like yeah. the you know the businesses are getting absurd amounts of money yeah and uh you know yeah. well it's kind of i mean the language is kind of funny uh, it's not funny but it's like interesting language because i guess like when i think of just the word stimulus like i guess what they're doing is kind of a stimulus it's just a random chunk of money that's going out at a random time it's like go spend it you know but it's not like what it's supposed to be is like Helping relief people, like yeah. it's supposed to be relief right yes. and it's not that like it's not acting as that but i guess they're not using the word relief they're using the word stimulus so it's like i wonder how much of that is planned to be like yeah well we didn't say we were gonna like help you we said we were gonna stimulate the economy <laughs> well actually the technical term is eip which is economic impact payment oh wow that's the that's, that's the real inside accounting info we need here <laughs> yeah <laughs> so right they classify this as eip <laughs> so okay so yeah. that actually that does sound more like yeah. what it i i think that be. right the layman term of that i think they're saying stimulus so people understand otherwise if you're like oh like if I was talking to like my clients, I was like, "Oh, did you like did you get your EIP?" Right. They'd be like, "What? What? What?" Like how many numbers and letters? And yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, well. Yeah. So how is this year different from last year so far? I mean, obviously, like we're all living in this world now where this has been happening for a year, so there's no shock, and I'm sure everything that would be related to the pandemic is now baked into your scheduling but there's probably some new challenges that are happening right now i would imagine i mean what is what is the landscape looking like so far i i, I hate to say this but it, it, it seems like history is repeating itself it's just mm. with different fears and anxieties mm. i think last year it was a lot of unknowns around the pandemic and how everything was going to shift i think this year it's more so even though it's during the pandemic but how the pandemic will impact the season itself. Meaning, mm. like, I, I've already been asking, like, my group in the AICPA, as also asking the government, like, what happens? Because one of my coworkers became a close contact and she had to quarantine. Mm -hmm. So, like, I lost a coworker for, like, two weeks. Or whatever. And I was like, yeah, yeah, like, if we lose someone doing the work for two weeks, like, what happens? Mm. It's like, well, I, I hope we're, we as accountants don't get penalized for like, you know, 300 tax returns that we can't send out right? because yeah. of that. Yeah. So I think it's a different fear and anxiety. And on top of that, they signed in another bill to on December 27th, right before tax season for like the next round of uh, the EIPs and the PPPs and mm -hmm. the EID and all those. I mean, you can send a link for what they all mean. But like, <laughs> yeah, but they, they, they signed it in and I was like, why are you doing this in the mid, like in the middle right. of tax season? Like right and, when everyone's about yep. to, yeah. For like someone like me, who's just compiling all my stuff right now, in a way it's better because I'm like, well, I'm on the computer anyway. 
but for my accountant, yeah. it's not Cause, great because you're like, yeah, I know I'm on the computer anyway, but also like, I have to file your taxes. Like, yeah, <laughs> like we're, in other words, they they added on more deadlines for us to meet in this compressed tax season, and I'm like, right. like, uh, <laughs> right, yeah. and there's already deadlines. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any anticipation that it could be delayed again? Right now, we're having internal discussions. This is this is breaking, but we're having internal discussions that um, we are like the CPAs for the most part. The general consensus we're voting for no, like mm. no extension, even though they may consider it. But if they do, it will be close to the deadline that they will announce that. Yeah. Sure. Um, but and, and and that's strategic. I don't know if you want to cut this out later, but like it's strategic because <laughs> they, want, later. <laughs> yeah, they, they want to make sure that people are not purposely like being lazy or delaying it because yeah. they know there's an extension. So they probably won't announce it to like the sec- first week sure. of April. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. That's actually not about I mean, I feel like a lot of people do wait till the last minute because, you know, you have until then. And yep. if you know you have till June. Then they're just not going to do it until, until yep. June. Yeah. Sure. So if they yeah. do delay it, no one's going to know until like the first or second week of April. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Have you observed that any increase, decrease, or same amount of auditing this past year? Like, is that a thing that uh, the IRS was laying low on this year, or they're overwhelmed, or? Well, seeing as how I think the last check I did was there were still like 50 million tax returns like back backlogged in terms of processing. Mm. So auditing for that is not even in the question yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the cases that were still outstanding, I think they automatically gave like extensions and a little bit of reprieve for yeah. because uh, even the government workers weren't going into the office. So they were not retrieving the mail that frequently. So they wouldn't even know yeah. like how to move the case along. So like I, I think I, they were going in like one day out of the week, and they were still only working from like eight a.m. to four p.m. They oh weren't doing gosh, overtime. Right. So yeah, this might not be an, a question you even know, but like, do they hire contractors to like go through that? Like, do they have a, a mechanism to ramp up to like do an audit process, or is it just the same amount of staff that would be going through a backlog of fifty million, you know, tax returns? Uh, that I don't know. I don't know whether they would try to speed. Although now that they're moving past this initial pandemic wave, I think they are trying to ramp up. And yeah. also because, you know, the next wave of tax returns are coming in. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow right? is yeah. the first day you can file a tax return. Oh, wow. Yep. Really? Yep. Tomorrow's the first day. Oh. Huh. So by the time this comes out, everybody can you totally get on file it, everybody. Jeez, returns. what are you get doing? <laughs> I had no, I, for some reason, I thought it was like January 1st every year. Yep. So this hmm. year it's extremely delayed. It used to, uh, it's usually around third week of January, oh, but okay. this year is extremely delayed because they have a backlog. Plus they're trying to adjust their systems to accommodate for all the changes in this year's tax returns and some of it is related to the you know the covid the cares act things like that yeah okay how has your relationship with your clients changed maybe some ways that are worse some ways that are better in terms of not being able to have as much face time as you might normally like are you are you zooming or are you on your phone you just emails like what is what does your client interactions look like versus maybe how it did pre-pandemic? It's a lot of emails and phone calls. Yeah. Um. I think yes. I've I, I've learned I've learned how to use like Google Meet, <laughs> Facebook Video, Blue Jeans. Like yeah. 
Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of yeah, there's a whole lot of different. I was like, man, I'm using all these different Zoom. Yeah, like, I can't forget about Zoom. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm using a lot of different Skype. What's <laughs> so your favorite? I think the one I probably still Skype right now because I use because Skype was something I was familiar and I used pre-pandemic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think after the pandemic, I was using more Zoom. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so Skype and Zoom. I've never even heard of Blue Jeans. No, yeah, me Blue Jeans. Are, yeah, that one's not as common. I think I've used that for a couple clients. But okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's funny how Zoom has become just like as ubiquitous as like Google. I'm gonna like get on a Zoom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I had never heard of it until March 15th or something. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were really positioned to do good. Yeah. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. But so yeah, so a lot more. Uh, I mean. Would you, what's like the percentage, if you could give a percentage of like people that used to come in that now you're just doing it all like over the phone? Like, I would say it's a pretty big, I mean, because we're still in this tax season. So yeah. a lot of the people hasn't, like they haven't reached out to me to see what they want to do. But yeah, I would, I would say there's a big shift. There's already a shift that I noticed because they email me and they're like, oh, so what's going on? Like what's right. going on for this year? Because I don't know if you're going to be accepting in client meetings or yeah. whatnot. So yes, like I would say it's probably going to be more than a fifty percent shift. I yeah. don't have the numbers yet, just right, because, sure. just yeah. kind of you know yeah. from your head. But yes, it's going to be a big shift. Yeah. If you had to give a pitch to anybody that's watching right now, right? You're going to sell yourself. <laughs> so you know they're on TurboTax or some other nonsense, and they think they can just do it themselves. You know, what is your selling point for having not just Franklin, the greatest accountant in New York City, <laughs> but just having a personal accountant in general? Like, what are, what are the advantages? I feel like the biggest thing that comes to mind is peace, peace of mind. Mm. I think when you're using uh, out-of-box software, and I think you have to go through these questions that may or may not make sense to you, um, you're not sure. I think you're not sure whether it's done correctly or not. And uh, for some of the people, I don't. I, I I try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. I do give them credit. Like some people are like, I'm sure this is. Oh, it's, it's cool. Like I don't. I don't need to say like, oh, everyone should come to a, like have a personal account or anything like that. Some people, it is like they're like, oh, I double checked everything. It's correct on terrible tax. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest thing is you have peace of mind, and also you have someone live and consistent to go over to make sure things are right and to explain. Um, because when you do TurboTax, like, yes, they have these live, actually, they try to hire me. Yeah, they have, yeah, they try to hire me and they're like, oh, you should be like one of the live CPAs that works from home. So when people have some issue, like they can reach out to call me, Interesting. but then, right. But the issue with that is you get different people, right. like you only have certain times you could talk to them. Right. I think they give you kind of more structured answers cause they can't go into a lot of, so right. Right. It's, I think it's more of a personal relationship and then you have peace of mind knowing that, Hey, things are done right. Yeah. Um, versus you're kind of guessing and hoping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would add to that and say, I think, yeah, I, I, I would like second everything you said. And then also, I guess I've never used the TurboTax, so I can't speak from personal experience. But I did try to do my taxes once, and I got a big fine, and the fine was more than I pay you to do my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, financial, you know, whatever checks out, that works. But also, I think even like, having the conversation with you about my taxes, you bring up things that I wouldn't even think to ask. 
and you know me year to year so like you can see like well what are you doing with your career and what's you know have you I remember you mentioned you might do this thing last year so like did you do that thing and I'm like oh I did do that thing do it can I expense that thing and you're like uh yeah you can <laughs> and I'm like great and I think that's the kind of thing that like it's like having, like, you want to go to the same doctor every year for your physical because they notice the differences with you. It's like mm. the same, I'd say it's a very similar thing from the, from the client, I was going to say from the patient, <laughs> from the client's perspective. Yeah. Um, and you have much easier taxes than I do. So what do you think? Uh, yeah, my, my taxes have typically been fairly easy, but it is nice and useful for me insofar as it puts me in the headspace of how am I using my money? How can I project I'll be using my money in a few years? And what is the best way to position myself? And that's worth, uh, you know, paying, especially even like I'm, my taxes aren't complicated. So the amount I pay you is not that much, but it's still worth being able to have that conversation. Uh, and uh, it feels nice to say, well, my accountant says this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I also think for, for, you know, for anyone listening or watching that hasn't done the getting a personal accountant thing, it, I think it sounds like more of like a highfalutin, like luxury. It sounds bougie for like sure, it sounds bougie, but it's not, but it's I think not. It's, it's actually, we all have to do our taxes, right? Mm -hmm. And so let's make yeah. sure we're doing it right yeah. is all. It's like, again, like the doctor thing, like it doesn't sound bougie to say, oh, I go to a doctor at an office, but it's like, that's basically Depends what we're doing. Are, we're I just guess. not going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, yeah. I'm joking. Like, I agree. I agree. Having yeah. a doctor that I go to every time versus like going to the ER for my checkup or something. Well, I mean, it, you know, and it's, I mean, it is, I do think it is a thing that we should address insofar as there is a kind of a maybe class barrier, I don't know. And and I think there's two schools of thought, right? It's like, on the one hand, taxes should be easy enough in theory that anybody can just do them, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if the government already knows how much you owe, like why is it so opaque? Yeah. And uh, and on the, on the other hand is kind of like what, what my philosophy is what I said just a second ago, which is that, you know, I like the idea of having a conversation about these sorts of things. Like yeah. I believe in the idea of paying taxes because I do think that it's good that we all contribute money to a common thing. And then there's all these services that get, you know, um, fueled as a consequence. Yeah, we can have all these social programs that we're interested yeah. in, you know, Roads supporting each and, other. You know, libraries, yeah. parks, yeah. Yeah. schools. Yeah. schools yeah. yeah, and like, granted, like, none of those systems are going to be perfect. You know, like all of those things are going to be run in ways that like would be better run if it was smaller or something, but that's just the nature of it. There's going to be inefficiencies, right? And so I do think ultimately it's nice that there is a, a class of people, uh, accountants that are, you know, invested in that sort of thing. And then we can go to them and have these sorts of discussions, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and at the same time, I do recognize, yeah, like you're saying, I think that it's not accessible for everyone. Like we're saying, you know, we're saying it's it's affordable if you're making like minimum wage and you're a single parent or something. And like maybe it's not affordable. Maybe you like just have to do it yourself. But there and, are government. I mean, there's free taxes in the city, right? I mean, you know, mm. I'm oh, sorry to interrupt. Yes. I yeah. didn't know, I didn't know yeah. that. That's a good thing to yeah. share. I mean, well, it's probably not, I don't know if you'd be able to get the same person every year. Maybe you could. I've never done that. Yeah. But, you know, there there are those opportunities to, uh, it's just that the, I think 
you know, there there's kind of a, just like there's a fear of doctors, there's a fear of paying your taxes, mm. which is just kind of the fear of unfamiliarity. You know, the idea of like, I don't know how to navigate the system. I, even so far as I don't know, like, I feel anxious about going to the person that can help me navigate the system, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I think ultimately on the balance it's cool that there is this class of people that exist to help figure it out, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, I mean, there's also like the, the very, uh, people that are very affluent that find a way to take advantage of every possible loophole, which is the flip side. It's like kind of like lawyers, you know, lawyers defend you and they can also, you know, a defend queen. people that are indefensible, right. you know? Right. And yeah. And, and the, the people that are super, super affluent are the ones that can like really benefit the social programs that help the people that aren't. And so, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I know in other countries, um, like I think in places in Europe, they just, the government just sends you a bill. Yep. Have you heard of this? Yes. Yeah. So uh, when I was studying abroad in France, I was speaking to some of the students and whatnot there and they were saying like, there's no individual tax returns at all. Wow. Like, yeah, once you get your paycheck, they did all the they did all the work for you, and then you just get to keep what's left over, and that's it. Like, yeah. at the end of the year, there's no tax return, there's no reconciliation, nothing. What about for someone like me? Like, would I even be able to exist in Europe? Like, yes. the way that my... <laughs> yes, but I think, and, and just specific, again, this is this is not, don't quote me on any of this information, it's been yeah. outdated, but like, yeah, I was speaking, I actually have clients that were in France that started a business, and they stopped, they, they had to come here because the taxes were so high. Like it was like something like 50 to 60%. Mm. So yeah, like you make a hundred bucks, you're only keeping like 40. Right. So it's, it's wow. a hard, right. It's hard, but the ben- but the flip side is like, I mean, the benefits there are amazing. Like, right. you know, right. you, you get unemployment for actors, you get like, so you get like stimuluses all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. that, right, right. But it's just that when it comes tax time, yeah, it's, it's a lot harder because even though they do the work for you, that they take out a huge chunk. Right. So. They probably don't also list every single expense that, like, I when I go through and do it, they they might not have access to like every single thing I've yep. been able to expense. Yep. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yes, I would say that the U.S. the the tax system is much more complicated than a lot of the places that I visited. Like you know, ones I'm coming off the top of my head, like Taiwan and like uh, like Europe and things like that. And I was like, yeah, it's much more simple there. It's not uh, overly opaque and complicated as it is here. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's, I mean, for as long as it's like that, having an accountant that can help you navigate that really, really complicated system is really awesome. Yeah. What was it like in, do you remember any of the specifics about the Taiwanese system? Like, is there... Oh, the best thing about them, because my brother-in-law, I was actually, funny enough, their tax, I think their taxes are due in May. Uh-huh. Like I think end of May, June. So I actually, that's my most down season. So I visit Taiwan, like usually in May, June. Yeah. So I was actually uh, kind of looking at a tax return with my brother-in-law one, because he was like, I got to get my tax return in. And I was like, this is so strange, because this is like after tax season. For me. <laughs> but like, he was like all like freaking out about his tax return. And he was like, I got to get all my information together. But yeah. the, the, the nice thing about that is like throughout Taiwan, I believe they have a similar tax rate 
Mm. So like not like us where it's like oh New Jersey is like six percent and then New York is not so for them it's kind of like a flat tax rate for like、oh, where they are. Okay. So that's why it's easier for them to be like okay I live here and here like I worked in two different places in Taiwan but you're still getting kind of taxes. It's not like oh I have to file a separate state return with a credit transfer and additional. It's like、mm. it's yeah. right. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder that I I can't imagine that everywhere in Taiwan is. The same level of economically, like you know, they're not economically equal, right? There have to be areas that are not as affluent as others. Is that correct? So, like, would that would that negatively impact areas where it, you know? Although I, I would say that income taxes, and this is something I say generally, like income taxes is one aspect of how government raises money. So, like、yeah. the, in the other areas, they may have. Other ways to raise income、yeah. outside、mm-hmm. of income taxes,、mm-hmm. yeah. and you know, I think a reason for them to do that is it's more consistency on a tax return. So it's not so much confusion as it is like, oh, if I worked in three states and I live in this state, like, what is that my? Right. So, yeah. So right. for it's them, it's like I worked in three places, but it's like, okay, I'm still going to get like one W two or whatever. Right. right. Yeah.、Okay. That's actually speaking of that. That's one question that I wanted to ask.、Uh, I've been hearing that people, because everyone's working from home now, is that a weird thing that's happening for people in, especially New York City, because we have like different, so many different tax brackets, and then like people live in Long Island and commute in, and people live in Westchester and、yep. New Jersey. Is that a weird thing that you're helping people navigate? Yes, that is one of the biggest things that are, and actually that's part of the questionnaire that I think you had. Yeah, so you should have seen that. Yeah, so that is one of the right. That is one of the biggest questions during 2020、um, because of people working remotely and how that factors into their taxes and. Usually, for the ones in New York City, it benefits them、yeah. because wherever they're going has got to be a lower, like usually, it's a lower tax rate than New York City. So,、right. um, yes, like if you live somewhere over six months, then yeah, you can consider that your primary residence, and then that way you can kind of maybe save taxes if you ended up working remotely in a lower tax state. Oh, interesting! So interesting.、Mm-hmm. So, is New York City itself going to potentially be bringing in less income this tax season than From- normal because a lot of people are like. Paying only in like, uh, Pennsylvania like, or whatever instead of New York City. Potentially, yes.、Okay. I, I I think right. The, the thing to keep in mind is I'm just specifically talking about individual income taxes.、Gotcha. I think there's like there's like corporation, <laughs> there's sales tax, there's a lot of other、there's、things that they cover. Right, yeah. but like yeah, specifically just for individual income taxes that they bring. Yes, I believe that will be lower this year because a lot of people have moved out during the pandemic and then they're working remotely. So they're like, hey, I don't, I'm not going to pay New York City taxes if I was like in Tennessee right. for right. the whole year. Yep. Right. Cool. Interesting. Well, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, that's.、Uh, I think that's a hot tip that maybe we should end on. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, just a little taste. You know, if you like more, <laughs> Jet Tax Service in Flushing Queens is the tax service for you. Oh yeah. But、uh, yeah, thanks so much, Frank, for talking with us. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah this is really great. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for watching. Hope you liked what we had to talk about with Frank. Hope you learned something about accounting, and I hope you learned something about the movie locations, or just you know had some extra thoughts. If you had extra thoughts and you want to share them with us in the comments, you can say what you're thinking. Yeah,、uh, do the liking and the subscribing, please.、Uh, it lets us know that we're doing a good job and lets us、uh, further spread this project that we're doing. You know, five marathon walks a week for a year—that's a lot of energy、uh, we're consuming. And your 
contributions to that is by giving us all this great feedback that you've been given. So yeah, yeah. Anytime that somebody clicks the buttons and says nice things or, you know, even when they're not nice things, it, it gives us energy and helps us to keep moving forward. And we are, you know, this was our 34th week, so we have 18 more weeks to go. Yeah. Damn, that's like not that many. I know. So yeah, we're, we're like, it's not that many, but I also feel like my fuel tank is, I refer to my fuel tank a lot. Let's say that. I like way more than at the beginning of the project. I've started referring to my fuel tank and I've had to eat a lot more snacks to keep it full. So <laughs> anytime that you interact with us, it helps to fill the fuel tank. Yep. So thanks so much for your support and for watching. Uh, we hope you join us next week. Until then, take care. Bye. Bye.